Hey, Jay Akunzo here. And uh, as you know, my book is now available for pre-sale in the U.S. You can go to jayakunzo.com slash book to place your order, and I will sign every copy, whether it's a single or bulk order, jayakunzo.com slash book. And that's available in the U.S. only until mid-October. I wanted to run the second episode of a documentary series I'm building with my partner Drift right here in Unthinkable because this episode hit me like deep <laughs> right where I live. It hit me deep in my bones. Like I have been admiring this company for a long, long time. I've gotten to work with them. I've gotten to know them. And throughout all of my research for the book and all of the stories I've told on Unthinkable, there's been one through line. When you see somebody do work you deem creative or you deem innovative or you deem crazy even, it's only crazy or creative or innovative from the outside looking in. In other words, the person you admire or the company you admire, they made a logical and strategic decision in their shoes based on a detail in their context that you didn't have access to. So if you're from the outside looking in or you just know the best practice or general advice, yeah, it's going to look different, atypical, unconventional, or unthinkable. But when you hear their story, so often you're like, huh, that was really smart. And so this theme emerged over the years on Unthinkable. You know, this idea that it's only crazy from the outside looking in. That if we want to do exceptional work, well, then we have to go find and follow what makes us an exception. What makes our situation different from everybody else's general advice. Because the goal isn't to find best practices, no. The goal is to find the best approach for you. So that's what my book explores, and that's really, in a way, what this documentary series, Exceptions, explores. So I'm, I'm going to leave you now, and you're going to go over to uh, pre-recorded J. Well, I guess all of this is pre-recorded, but you're going to go over to Exceptions, Jay, and you're going to hear me talk about the podcast feed, Seeking Wisdom, which is the feed owned by Drift. That's where this series originates, but I want to syndicate this episode here for you today. Uh, so if you like what you're hearing, check out Drift's podcast, Seeking Wisdom, and maybe go back in the Unthinkable feed too and check out the first episode of Exceptions about Gusto. All right, without further ado, here is the second episode of exceptions about Wistia. My regrets in building a company have been when my instincts and emotionally I wanted to go one path and I would like, I went the other rational path because I was convinced by somebody else. And if that rational path works, you're like, fine. But if it doesn't work, you think, oh my God, like, why didn't I trust myself here? I didn't want to give away all the keys to the to the castle. We have found that we have to do things that scares us. This is a tremendous, spectacular car crash of a video. That was a really big moment. Welcome back to the second episode of Exceptions, a documentary series here in Seeking Wisdom where we explore why brand matters more than ever in B2B. This is a partnership from Drift, which is a conversational marketing and sales platform that believes in great experiences between two businesses, and me, Jay Akunzo. I'm the host of a podcast called Unthinkable and author of the upcoming book, Break the Wheel. Last time in the debut episode of this series, we went inside a company called Gusto, and we learned about things like how and why they set up an internal brand studio, 
and how this one very simple email made a customer feel something, and we heard from that customer, and helped Gusto both serve existing customers and win new ones. Not to mention, they recruited new talent through this email. It's the same email. So if you missed that episode, go back in your Seeking Wisdom feed and check out episode one of Exceptions about Gusto. Today, we go inside Wistia. If this was taped just a couple of years ago, I might have described Wistia as a SaaS company that offers video hosting and video analytics. But thanks to a brand new and pretty major product launch this year, the company is in flux. A ton is changing for them and they're in growth mode, but as you'll hear shortly, they control their path and their speed down it. Despite all the change at this company, one thing that Wistia has never wavered from is their emphasis on building a great brand. This is a company that markets a mission, not just a bunch of products. Their team, which is about 80 people right now, mostly based in Cambridge, Massachusetts, all of these people want to make business more human. And they've created, appropriately enough, a massive library of videos, all of which feels, you guessed it, really human. Some are practical and helpful, like when they taught others how to set up their own DIY studio for making company videos, while other things they make at Wistia are more fun and, and random, like their annual company wrap-up video, as in R-A-P, wrap-up. That's when they create custom rap songs to tell their story at the end of each year, complete with a highlight reel of everything that happened at the business. Wistia launched in 2006 inside the living room of co-founder and CTO Brendan Schwartz. They raised one initial round of funding through angel investors, but today they maintain total control of the business, having reached profitability several years ago. In 2018, Wistia also took on $17.3 million in debt so they could buy out their investors, pay back their employees, and continue to own their own fate. More than 30,000 companies worldwide use Wistia products to create, host, and measure their videos, including companies like MailChimp, Sephora, Zendesk, Squarespace, and Casper. Now, all the brands we'll profile on this series have many things in common, but the most important thing to them all is that they are customer-centric. And that, of course, is where we should start every episode. So it's time now to get one customer's experience of the great experience that is the Wistia brand. Every year for the past several years, there's been a big marketing event in Wisconsin on back-to-back -back days. The first day has been held at Miller Park, home of the Milwaukee Brewers, and the second at Lambeau Field, home of the Green Bay Packers. And every year, both on the stage and milling around the room, there's at least one representative from Wistia, invited there all thanks to their great reputation. The event is called Experience Inbound, and I reached out to one of the people responsible for the event, Mary Jo Preston. Mary Jo works for Stream Creative, a marketing agency in Brookfield, Wisconsin, and I asked her, what's your perception of the people from Wistia? Friendly, approachable people who know a ton about video, and they don't make it scary. Mary Jo first knew about Wistia because her agency is a happy customer, but when she finally met the people of the company at a marketing conference in Boston, the very next year, as Mary Jo planned her event, she knew she had to have a Wistian speak. The company tapped Jonah Silberg. He was on the customer support team at the time and is now a sales team lead. 
he, he blew it out of the water. And from all of the different interactions, really, with Jonah and Wistia, as a newbie coming in, not really knowing the whole story and their background, it was a natural fit because my first impression of them was, God, they're just like us and our culture at our agency. So that was my first experience with them. Lots of benefits of building your brand in B2B don't show up in a nice, neat chart. Getting invited to speak at conferences might be among them. It leads to countless advantages, some measurable and many not. People all around the industry see that you're associated with going to these events and speaking and adding value as a teacher and thought leader. And then the actual attendees get to really meet you in person, live, offline. Then there's the companies who hold the events. They often promote you, interview you, and share your message and story with the halo of people in and around their event. And most of these benefits are a direct result of how your brand makes somebody feel. As Mary Jo told me, I would not hesitate in the least bit to even, you know, call Jonah up who, you know, he did our event two years ago, or now I know Katie from there and just say, Hey, you know what, I'm trying to do this. Or my client has a question. Can you maybe help me out? So that that's kind of how I feel about this deal. Brand plays such a huge role in why a business succeeds today, from direct leads and sales to the incredible benefits of being viewed as a helpful industry leader. Just listen to how Mary Jo describes her process of vetting potential speakers. We look at the company as a whole. We look at what their blogs, what they're talking about. We look at, you know, if it's a video company, we watch video. We want to see, you know, what are you guys talking about and how does that fit with our overall education we want our event to be about? How does that align? And, you know, everything from when going to their website, first thing you see is if the top thing I actually was kind of laughing because it, it's got this friendly girl holding a pink camera, video camera, and she's dancing around. And then, of course, if they're speaking, I want to see them on tape. I want to see how they come across um, so we know what our audience should expect. We know if this is going to be a good fit. I wonder, how would your company hold up to that vetting process? And when you actually make it to industry events, are you there to attend or are you the speaker? The person commanding the stage in front of hundreds or even thousands of prospects, customers, and partners, that's a big, big deal. And that's a hard stage to win. And that decision is made by the event manager based on your brand. I think the Wistia brand brings high value. If I can put that logo on my event that I have a speaker coming from that company, we know we're going to get the latest talk of the town, if you want to say that. You know, what, it, what, is, what are people saying about video right now? And they see that logo as a credibility factor. If Wistia's brand was like a person in your life, who, are, who is that person? Oh, boy. You know, I think I actually, and this is maybe sound weird, but my, my youngest daughter, who she is friendly, helpful, she smiles a lot, she's approachable, and, I, and I'm actually very proud of her because every year her teachers tell me she is the person in class who all the other kids look to when they have a question on something. And it's, you know, that's kind of how I see Wistia. Later in the episode, we're going to find out how this compares to the way Wistia's CEO would describe their brand if it came to life. For now, think about your own company. How often do you get invited to speak? If an event is like a microcosm of how people view an industry and all the different places and people that they could go to for expertise and knowledge and solutions, 
Where does your brand fit in that landscape? More importantly, where does your brand fit in people's minds? Today, you simply can't build a great company in B2B without proactively and strategically thinking about your brand. In a world of infinite supply and choice, where the B2B buyer has all the power, people choose to spend both time and money on the best experience. So let's explore today's big idea about what it takes to build our brands in B2B. Today's big idea, make them feel. When we talk about all the change the world is going through, we often refer to the consumer space, I think, even if it's just implicitly. We'll say things like, we have endless options, distractions, choices, and we imagine scrolling through Facebook or Instagram or searching on Google or shopping on Amazon. The overwhelming amount of stuff out there that we always reference seems to apply to us as individual consumers at home. But it applies in the working world, too. More channels and more notifications on those channels arrive thanks to the work of salespeople and marketers everywhere, while new technologies provide automation to those same individuals. Even the best product, with all its benefits clearly stated, with all the data, all the facts, still isn't memorable. It blends in into a sea of sameness, every company claiming they're the best. But if you can make somebody feel something, you're memorable. It's like that quote from Maya Angelou. People will forget what you said, people will forget what you did, but people will never forget how you made them feel. If you focused on resonating with somebody, not just reaching them, now you're cooking with gas. You have a chance at doing so much more than just acquiring someone's attention. You will hold it. And you'll hold it long enough for all that good stuff we want in business to happen. But even just hearing my words, hearing me say things like make them feel... Maybe we can recoil a little bit. Maybe that's our temptation. Really, lots of the companies we'll hear from on this series, including Wistia today, build brands that border on warm and fuzzy. They're quirky. They're startup-y. However, you don't have to make your audience laugh or make them feel warm and fuzzy, especially if that's not authentically you. You can make them feel a lot of things. Make them feel smarter or more empowered or more successful. You can make them feel heard Make them feel like their work matters. Make them feel like a genius, like they know something and they're better at something than their peers. Whatever specific emotion it is, it has to be an emotion. People will never forget how you made them feel. Whether we like to admit it or not, people make emotional buying decisions. Today, we need to build human-powered brands. These are companies that tap into your emotions, not through manipulation, but by being real, being authentically who they are. You see their faces, you hear their voices, you get to know them as people, whether individual people or a collective entity. But make no mistake, there's a human element to this. And what is more B2B than that? I mean, whenever we picture anything stereotypically B2B, we picture two humans or multiple humans interacting. The uh, classic notion of two executives brokering a deal or the salesman who takes somebody to dinner. All of these ideas in B2B are human. They're people buying from other people. Seriously, what would be more authentic to B2B than a human-powered brand? But in the digital age, many companies and many marketing departments have started to lose that. So what if you put the people back into your sales and marketing? What if you made them feel? Let's explore this big idea now with two people from Wistia. 
their CEO, Chris Savage, and their principal video producer, Chris Levine. I asked Chris Savage, as the CEO, what would you say is the Wistia brand if it became a person? Remember that before, Mary Jo told us that it's her daughter, smart, helpful, and the person in the classroom that everybody turns to. Does that align with how Chris views his company? Yeah, like I think it's like your nerdy friend that you trust. That that trust like is why you're kind of watching to see like, well, where will they go next? And what thing will they do next? And not everything's going to work, but some of the stuff that does will probably like really work. When they started in 2006, Wistia created that friendly, helpful, albeit nerdy brand just because that's who they really are. When I talked to Chris, I asked him, when you're building something new, do you spend time thinking about cultivating your brand? I mean, where does the idea of brand fit when you're small? Does it just sort of happen or is it proactive? Building a brand in the early days was just, we didn't know we were doing it, exactly as you're saying. We, we were making content, trying to be content marketers, and people weren't actually commenting on the blog posts. They were saying, like, how'd you make that video? What lights did you use? How'd it look so crisp? You know, stuff like that. And then we almost made constant content to stop people from asking us those questions. And every time we did that, we did more and more and more. And along the way, I learned the lesson that if you have a strong brand and a brand is built on every interaction someone has with the company, right? It's seeing like each piece of content. It is uh, when you sign up for a product, all of the flows, the emails, the support tickets. If you talk to someone in sales, all of that, that collection of interactions becomes the brand. That happened because we just felt like we want to prioritize customer experience. We want to delight people at every turn. And we, we've stayed focused enough on the content marketing for long enough that it actually started to show up in the data that it was working, but it was after years of doing it, right? And the fundamental thing was if you truly help somebody and you truly save them time and you help them be more successful in their job, they will tell other people. And they're not going to tell other people because they like your brand. They're going to tell other people because they like those other people. At one point, Wistia had a small team and not to mention one product. Using their platform, you could upload and host your video to your website, measure it, and improve its performance with things like customizing the player or improving SEO and, and asking for email subscription directly in the video. Those were simpler times at the company. Maybe hard to execute, but pretty easy to wrap your mind around if you're a participant, in other words, an employee, in the brand. Today, Wistia's work is hard in a new way. They've launched a new product called Soapbox, which helps you actually create video too. As a result, they're a bit in flux, both in what they do and in how they operate as a team. You know, you can start to see how it's changing how people think of Wistia. And I think in a few years, we're like, whoa, that was a, that was a really big moment. That's when the company really changed. What is the big shift that that product is a signal of? Yeah, it's a signal of how video has changed. We started Wistia in 2006, and at the time, when we talked to companies, we're like, hey, you should use video. They were like, yeah, we are. We make DVDs, and we use, send them around to train people. They didn't, people weren't even making videos for the web at that point, right? And so things have just changed so much, and the fact that we can make a product that actually helps you make videos, to me, is like a remarkable sign of like how much the technology has changed. So I think it's a techno technological shift, and then for Wistia also, the fact that we are now a multi-product company. We have built two products, and you will, should be on the lookout for more things from us um, in the future. And that's just a really exciting thing because it's different to go zero to one on something new than to keep 
um, iterating on something you already have requires a different skill set. And even how you have two products that are at different life cycles at the same time is like represents a huge challenge. It's easy to write down a paper and hard to do in reality. And so I think we're getting pretty good at it. And I think when once we're really good at it, it'll be very clear. Oh, Wisty is a company that makes great products that help you communicate better with video. And that's what they're about. They're not just analytics and infrastructure. Throughout their growth, Chris and the founding team at Wistia have shared one belief. The belief that making people feel has benefits to the business, even if you can't measure it. Wistia rarely asks for things in return for sharing their helpful content, never gating that content with forced forms, and rarely, if ever, talking about themselves. Admittedly, this sounds a bit easier for early-stage startups to accomplish. Chris understands that, but he has a powerful message to those at later-stage companies who are, let's say, skeptical. We have found, and it, you know, we, we learn this through mistakes. Like We learn this through trying to optimize too much as, a, as, a, as opposed to following our instincts, that we have to do things that scares us. We believe that this is going to be good. We believe that we're going to be giving back so much to the community. The community will think, wow, like this is totally different than something else that I've seen. And we could be wrong because, and we put too many eggs in one basket, but we're, we, you have to be a little bit afraid um, to be pushing yourself and to be learning, right? Like we can just, you do the same thing over and over. It's not even fun anymore, even if it is remarkable. Like you gotta, you gotta keep pushing. And so, yeah, for us, it's always like, how do we do that with the production? How do we do it with the concepts? How do we do that with speed? How do we do that with having different people making the videos than we're making them before and pushing ourselves in that way? And so it's, you have to, I think you have to keep finding ways uh, to push yourself and, and be a little bit afraid. And if you can do that, then you can, then you can do great stuff. And Wistia, they do great stuff. My question was, How? I decided to dig into Wistia's work and our big theme of making others feel on three different levels. From smallest to largest, they are making a single video, creating their video strategy, and then creating a strong brand most broadly. To get started understanding how they make a single video and where that fits with their scaling brand today, I talked to their principal video producer, Chris Levine. And yes, there's another Chris here. So remember, Levine makes videos. Well, my day is it's literally different every single day. Part of my day is spent concepting videos, scripting videos, doing the actual production of the videos, the post-production of the videos. But um, a large majority of my time is also spent kind of strategizing around uh, the content here at Wistia. And also, this is actually one of my favorite parts of the job. It's actually informing the product uh, and the product strategy and the bigger strategy of the brand as a whole, because we are a video product and I'm a video producer at a video software company, um, I get to actually have an impact on the strategy of the product. So that's, uh, that's really fun. If you know Wistia, you know about their fun, funny, quirky, and yeah, startup-y videos. For example, back when the entire company could fit together in one room, Chris Levine had that entire team in that one room create three different videos for the company's homepage, and ridiculousness ensued. You know, as as you do in a corporate video, we had a confetti machine uh, and confetti tech person come in <laughs> for the day and, and blow confetti in the office. We had you know my um, brand new craftsman toolbox that uh, my mother in law had gotten me for Christmas, and I brought that in and I of course like knocked it onto the ground for a shot and dented it all up. We had tools everywhere. Um, 
and it was kind of an all hands on deck video. We shut the whole company down uh, for the day. Uh, we must have been around 12 people and we got the whole team involved in the production of the video. It's very rare that when in video you have an end video that actually hits your vision that you had for it in the scripting process. You know, sometimes you'll make the video and it doesn't come out exactly how you had in your head and that'll drive you insane as a filmmaker. But this particular one just came out exactly shot for shot how I had it in my uh, in my head and the concept. And um, we were able to involve the whole team on it too, which was really great. It's clear that Wistia has fun creating a video, but how do they ensure that each video they create serves some higher level purpose? It serves the company, the audience. Before we explore their broader video strategy, let's think about how they create one single video today, given this scaling sort of influx background that they work with day to day. How do they actually go about creating video with so many different people now representing the brand? So when we have a new person joining Wistia and we, we want to get them into a video, we want to have them represented in a video, we're not going to just throw them throw them to the sharks, to the wolves, to the crocodiles, if you will, and have them go whole hog on like a you know five-minute talking head script. So lots of new hires are in the videos in non-speaking roles only, doing things like waving to the camera or participating in B-roll shots of them at their desk, and this eases them into the video at the very same time that they're getting to know the brand. Kind of get people's confidence up to say, hey, like, yeah, this is scary to get in front of the camera, but the bar is so low that it's pretty easy to just get up there and say your name. And then when they that new person sees themselves in an edited Wistia video and sees that they, you know, they look like they look in real life. I didn't make them look like, you know, like they had raccoon eyes or, or their, their, their shadows were all over their face and they actually sound good. Then that gives them more confidence to then get into the next video, which may have a line. And they'll work up to larger roles from there. With every decision Chris makes, he takes into account this idea that lots of humans and a very diverse array of perspectives have to represent one brand. And he does so by leaning into somebody's strengths or areas of expertise as a first step in the process. You know, the scripting process usually starts with, if it's for a launch video for a new product, maybe somebody on the product marketing team um, or, the, or the product management team will take a first crack at the message of a script. It'll then get passed over to the video team. We'll kind of flesh that script out and, and take it into apply a, a video concept to it. Then every script for every video that we shoot is read out loud with the talent during what's called a table read. And during that table read, the talent is actually taking the lines that I may have written for them, being able to put it into their own words. So we're not putting words into their mouth that they would never say. And so a lot of that stuff will help to keep the delivery of those lines natural. Okay, let's zoom out now to the strategy behind Wistia's videos. We just went over how they create one. So what's the overall strategy and how does that work? The place that B2B marketers can struggle with the most is knowing where to invest time in building their brand. Branding is so much more than simply like fun and quirky activities, but because brand is often misconstrued as that fun culture stuff or that big new idea, it can be really hard to know whether or not to do any of that stuff with confidence. In other words, lots of it is unproven or seems fun or like a side project. It doesn't stick to the tried and true playbook of paid acquisition or email outreach, for example. So according to Chris Savage, developing your strategy early on is about two things. First and foremost, 
trust. In the early days, it was all about that trust and qualitative feedback. You know, it'd be like, go to a conference and someone would come up to me and be like, wow, we made the studio that you made a blog post, a video about. That was so incredible. We started, it made it so much easier to make videos. And I was like, wow, that's amazing. Like, I had no idea that people were doing that. Then that happens again and again. And then you've talked enough. People are like, wow, this is working. That's a great place to start, he says, because when you're early, you haven't really figured out anything at all. You don't get bogged down by as much conventional wisdom internally because, inside your company anyway, there is no conventional wisdom. When you have nothing but time, the only thing you can possibly do to succeed is be creative. That's it, right? Like, you just try stuff and try stuff and try stuff and try stuff, and nobody is seeing it failing. And then you often, you know, if you are lucky enough to be lucky with your timing and the things that you're doing, you find something that works. Now you scale that thing up. And everyone's like, oh, yeah, of course this thing works. Like, of course content marketing works for you. That makes perfect sense. Of course you're marketing a mission instead of the product. Yeah, that's because you came in and that's what we taught you. Well, the next thing, that next moment when you have to take that next creative risk, no one's seen the obscurity that you have to, like, claw your way through. No one's seen, like, all of those things that never worked, that never saw the light of day. And so it becomes scarier to do those things. And when you have scale optimization is more attractive. So it's like, oh, well, if we just get 3% more people to click this button, we'll make way more money. Like, shouldn't we do the optimization? And it becomes hard to argue with that. It's like, here's a thing. I don't know if it's going to work. If it works, it'll probably be huge, but we might not be able to track it. Here's another thing. If it works, we'll know exactly how much it works. And it'll be modest, but it'll be real. And people are just attracted to that. It's a nature of risk-taking. You actually need both of those things. <laughs> it's the hard part is actually having the balance and the confidence to take to do the first one, to like fail again, right? To take risks and do things that scare you. Chris calls these emotional risks. He says that your strategy needs to include space and even a mandate to take more emotional risks. To do so, he says you need to, in his words, send in the artists. In other words, find people with creative taste and figure out what they're passionate about and elevate that. If you have an awesome mixologist on staff and you sell, say, tools for podcasters, do a series about how to mix together all the stuff that makes up a great show and play up that passion of the individual. Or talk to experts while drinking cocktails in a fun little gimmick. But by, by, by the way, if you create that show, can I please can, can I please be a guest? I'll bring the bourbon. I promise. Anyways, the point here is not to do something kitsch. The point is to find those people who are intrinsically motivated by the things they do in their work and in their lives that can serve others. Then make them the stars. People without agenda who are genuinely helpful for your customers should take center stage. They're going to take emotional risks because they care more deeply about, for instance, educating a group of video marketers than they do about say, converting more leads. And it's funny how doing the first leads to the second. It's a, it's a problem of scaling companies in general that people lose touch with the customer because you start to have enough data that you think you can test and track everything. But there are certain things that you cannot test and track. And now where we are is interesting because we've built up such a brand and have so much traffic that comes to the site and so much of it is direct and so much of it is word of mouth that it's very hard to see any new thing in there unless it is enormous, right? Like soapbox, pretty clear to see. But it's so it actually almost, we have to have more trust and more faith that we need to make remarkable content and remarkable experiences. And if we do that, we'll build a strong brand. 
and we'll build a strong brand of people who want to help their friends do better work and save time and be more successful. And so it's on us to stay relevant and on us to continually teach what we're learning and ideally make products that you know, make people's lives easier at work. A big part of Wistia's video strategy, and indeed their approach to growing a whole brand, is to master the ability to keep or kill projects. And how do you do that with clarity? Part of it for Wistia comes from this qualitative feedback that they do or don't get from their employees and their audience. But they also know when to kill something as a sort of like sixth sense that the Wistia team has developed. It's funny. We've killed a lot of projects at Wistia. Um, and we always say we're not very good at it. And then I look back, I'm like, well, actually, we did kill a lot of stuff. Let's talk about an example of a video that Wistia decided to keep and publish and promote and one they decided to kill. An example of the first, the one they kept, was a recent video created for their sales team. Here's video producer Chris Levine again. The sales team at Wistia wanted a way to you know, improve on the thanks for submitting, we'll be back in touch message experience that people get a lot when they f- submit a form. So instead of just having it be that form, we created a video that featured our entire sales team and it ripped off the, uh, or I wouldn't, I wouldn't say ripped off, but was inspired heavily by the locker room scene in Mighty Ducks 2. Oh, this is exciting. Somebody wants to get in touch. What, aren't y'all excited? What if we blow it? What? What if they don't like us? Yeah, what if they don't like us? Not gonna happen. You. Who are you? Fernando Silva. What are you passionate about? Video marketing and analytics. Uh, It's that famous scene where Gordon Bombay is you know, um, trying to pump up a demoralized team. Better click-through rates on email. Alex Schofield, Action Boy Analytics. Erica Gordon, Flexible APIs. Peter Von Richard, Changing the Player Color. Daniel Alexander, Using Video for Sales. Taylor Brennan, Captions. Lexi Genandrea, Calls to Action. And I'm Jonas Silber, and I love replacing a video without any downtime or having to change the embed. We're the Wistia sales team, and we're passionate about helping people succeed with video. So sit tight, we'll be in touch soon, get ready for the best gosh darn call you're going to have all week. Instead of just saying, yeah, we'll be back in touch, we present folks with this video that is a personal look inside of our sales team, but also is a very lighthearted it pumps you up emotionally and is an incredible throwback if you can actually get the reference. Important reminder here, making others feel our our big idea today doesn't mean you have to be fun or quirky, especially if that's not who you really are. Anyway, why does this video, this Mighty Ducks parody, why did that make sense for Wistia? Well, for starters, they've renewed their focus on selling their products to marketers. After splitting their time over the last couple of years among lots of job functions, they're doubling down on the audience they began serving in the first place. And marketers, well, we appreciate great marketing. We adore great experiences because we're often the ones tasked with creating them. Another reason this video made sense was the increased focus at Wistia on helping the sales team. Remember that there was that guy early on that Mary Jo from Stream Creative first hired to speak? That was Jonah. 
And Jonah, after years of working in customer experience, is now a sales leader. And lo and behold, he's brought the ability to use great videos to improve experiences to sales. He was actually featured as Gordon Bombay, as the coach in this video that Chris Levine just mentioned. Now, lastly, Wistia also understands how to scale their brand. They want to spread the same emotion across everything they do. I asked Levine, what would that emotion actually be? I got two words for you, Jay. Good vibes. Good vibes, baby. <laughs> Love it. What do you mean? So at Wistia, we're, we're invested very heavily in creating uh, a ton of educational content about making video. We're a video software company. We want to help our customers and our audience, anybody that sees any of our work, make better video. And... If you're trying to be as helpful and friendly as of a brand as possible, it only makes sense to not, you know, hide any of that good stuff behind an email address. You want that to be open and accessible to everyone. Here's a pithy way to think about it. If something works, don't do more like it, do more with it. When you have a win, especially as a marketer, instead of trying to manufacture more wins that seem similar, get that same project to do more work for you. Get more results out of the thing that already is proven. The temptation in marketing is to replicate the vehicle, the container. We say something like, hey, a blog post written as a list really worked for us, so let's write more listified blog posts. But the real question is, why? Why did that article work? What insight about your customer can you pull out from that experience? Well, maybe the theoretical audience we're talking about is stressed out. Maybe they're pressed for time, and they appreciate the compact, easily digestible format of a list. Okay, great. What else can you do with that? Where else can you take it? Well, maybe you can make short, punchy videos rather than long ones. Create a bunch of cheat sheets rather than a lengthy ebook. Shorten your emails when you send them, and so on. When something works, don't do more like it, Find the insight underlying it, and then do more with it. Wistia knows this firsthand. They understand why their videos do so well, and they spread that why across everything they do. And that's what led them to take their fun-loving videos and redesign their homepage to show a woman dancing silently with a smile and a camera. That's what led them to create some behind-the-scenes interviews on Instagram about the quirks of their team. And that's why they made a Mighty Ducks 2 parody for the sales team. When something works, don't do more like it, do more with it. That's how you can make people feel the same way every time and every place they interact with you. Ultimately, that is the goal of any video we make, is to make somebody feel something. So what about the videos that Wistia kills? How do they make that decision? Well, to use the same philosophy would be a great place to start, right? Don't do more like it, do more with it. But they reverse engineer it in order to make the killing decision. In other words, they start by looking for a small number of people at their company who react in big emotional ways to their video experiments long before they ever go out. They're looking for some early true believers, if you will, that early passion from people. And if they get it, they do more with it. They'll finish the video, they'll publish it, promote it, and so on. But if it falls flat, they'll kill it and kill it dead. And this prevents them from constantly shipping work that doesn't, you know, work. You know, a lot of the bad videos actually don't even go out. Uh, you know, when I say Wistia was affording me the, uh, the ability to make a bad video, I would spend maybe three, four, five days in making a video, m making a video 
edit it all together, shop it around. And then once it was actually out, realize that the message was terrible and the concept didn't connect and or something didn't happen. And it ended up just getting scrapped. One of the worst videos they tried was something called Thule the Toolbox. Hello there, I'm Thule the Toolbox. I'm here to tell you that the fine folks at Unbounce have partnered with companies like HubSpot, Kissmetrics, and Wistia to get you the tools you need to succeed. It was some type of a promotion about Wistia being a part of a tool set that was included um, with some kind of promotion. And so we literally tried to personify a toolbox. We put like googly eyes on a toolbox. What in the now? This is hogwash. All you need is a compound miter saw and some good old fashioned elbow grease. Cut, cut. Tooley, I think you're the wrong person for this video. Do I still get my day rate? This is a tremendous, spectacular car crash of a video. But for Wistia, if they don't experiment, don't allow themselves the freedom to make a terrible video once in a while, they'll never do anything that wasn't previously proven. When you do that, relying on just the tried and true, never testing or improving, you get stuck, you get stagnant. There's that old saying that insanity is doing the same thing and expecting a different outcome. I actually think in business, doing the same thing and expecting the same outcome is insanity. We have to constantly improve. And Wistia is hell-bent on avoiding this idea of stagnation by constantly questioning the best practice. And this really flows from their CEO, Chris Savage. Myself and, myself and Brendan see building a business as a creative endeavor. There are constantly new challenges, constant challenges that no one saw before, or there might be a best practice for it, which you have to question, like, is this best practice right? Is this the best way to have an engaged team? Is this the best way to communicate with customers? And so it almost like running a company is a blank, it's always just a blank canvas. It's like, how should we solve this? And can we solve this in a way that people haven't solved it before? Can we save a, like, not like 10% more time, can we save 100% of the time by automating something away completely, not doing it at all, rethinking how policy works. Um, and I am just, it, it seems crazy, but it's Wistia has just become this like creative endeavor. And so it's extremely creative, fulfill, creatively fulfilling. Um, and it just makes it just not feel like work. Like everything doesn't feel like work. Even we just had an all hands meeting going through strategy updates and performance and all this stuff. And like, it doesn't feel like work to me. It just feels like we're painting. Um, and so I like that. That's what, that's what gets me out of bed in the morning. Um, and I like that, that intellectual challenge. And so for that reason, it's, it's something that we, we are very proud of that we've been able to do this for as long as we have. I mean, it's been 12 years since we started the company. And when I think about the future, like, can I see, can I see us doing this in 12 years? Like, definitely. And as long as we like stick by those things we believe and we build a really creative company and we keep taking risks and we really focus on brand, like it's going to be really fun. When you're building a human powered customer centric brand in B2B, you constantly question conventional thinking to think for yourself. So let's take a look now at a few questions we can ask in our specific situations to break from old norms and build better brands. Question number one, are you taking enough emotional risks? This is incredibly challenging for people in business, but it can be the differentiating factor between a brand that people feel something towards and thus pay a premium for, and another company that's easily ignored in this world of infinite choice. 
After all, as Chris Levine points out, like we're all humans, we've all heard this stat, but we're making emotional decisions. Why wouldn't you do business with the company that you emoted with and that made you feel good or that empowered you to do better at your job without asking for anything in return? Taking an emotional risk doesn't mean being sappy or funny. It means making others care by showing how much you care about them, about the problem you solve, and so on. The idea of emotional risks might seem a little bit murky or a little bit difficult to answer, but it's one that everybody we're profiling in this series has given serious thought to. Are you taking enough emotional risks in your marketing? And speaking of emotion, question number two, are you finding and building on your true believers? We all want to build big businesses or at least have our current projects return in a big way. But that often causes us to focus solely on the big top line numbers. And what we miss when we do that is early and strong signal that we should keep investing in something to grow it. With Wistia, we heard both Chris's talk about how they looked for passionate responses from both their employees and their audience as a sign they should keep investing. That's the whole, if something works, don't do more like it, do more with it thing. When we build a brand as marketers, so often we can't measure direct response right away or maybe ever. So instead, what if we focused on our true believers? A small number of people reacting in a big way to what we do. Not as final success, but as a signal we're on the right path towards it. That's how we can make smarter investment decisions, even if we don't have a nice neat chart telling us that, look, this brand initiative returned X dollars right away. That question, again, are you finding and building on your true believers? Question number three, are you building your brand's body of work? Through two episodes of the show, first with Gusto and now with Wistia, there are tons of emerging themes or through lines. But one of them, written across both companies in bright, bold red so you can't miss it, is this idea that your brand is built on a collection of stuff. A brand is the sum of your team's behavior and the emotions that your customers feel when they're on the receiving end. But make no mistake, the only way that collective behavior adds up to a great brand is if the company focuses on all the little activities, the entire body of the work. You can't build a brand if each action you take is scrutinized to the point of needing it to work. Besides, in what world does every action you take actually work? I would say... Three out of every 10 videos I make hits the vision. That may be generous. I Maybe one in 10 or two in 10. For whatever reason, if it's a deadline, if it's the execution you chose, if it's the tools that you used, sometimes that vision doesn't align with what you had in your head and it bums, and it bums you out. It still works, but it doesn't work perfectly. You know, one in 10 times, two in 10 times, three in 10 times when something just hits and it makes you, the creator, feel something, that's the good stuff. The reality is that building a great brand is a portfolio approach. One out of every 10 things you try will be amazing. A few more will work as you imagined. And that's the good stuff. But a few will be so-so and a couple will be total duds. Great leaders and great modern marketers care about the body of the work, the results of the collective behavior, not every individual project. Ask yourself, are you focused on building your body of work? In the end, the world's best in B2B seem like outliers from the rest of us the way they're building their brands, but they don't have to be 
the minority. You can make your audience feel, and you can do so in your own way, not to mention reap all the rewards that follow. So, I wonder, in this sea of sameness, in this world of infinite choice facing the B2B buyer, what makes your brand an exception? This episode of Exceptions was written and produced by me, Jay Akunzo, and brought to you by Drift. If you haven't done this yet, go and listen to all the other series they publish right here in the Seeking Wisdom channel. You're already in the feed you need to be in. They have more shows about marketing, but they also have a show about growth, a show about product, and their main series co-hosted by Drift CEO David Cancel and VP of Marketing Dave Gearhart. That show is about being better every day. It's awesome. It has some amazing guests and some great first principle thinking, aka grandma's wisdom. Go and check out those other shows. And while you're doing that, while you continue to listen, leave us a rating and review. Um, The people at Drift actually told me before I created this show for them that they only accept six star reviews and ratings, six stars. So while we go and contact Apple to make the six star rating a possible thing, leave us five and then send me the last one, the sixth one, and I'll, you know, log that for a later date when Apple changes their policy. Yeah. So send me star number six over Twitter or email. I'm at Jay Akunzo or Jay at unthinkablemedia.com. And I'd love to hear from you and chat about this episode and show. So thank you so much for listening. I'll talk to you in a couple of weeks on the next episode of Exceptions. See ya. See ya.